Okay, so let's continue uh, with exploring Amuna this week's parasha. We're going to uh, focus on a pasuk in Vayakel uh, and bring out in Hashem a very uh, important lesson in Amuna Bitafen. And the pasuk is Velachshev Machashaves on the bottom of Reish Ches Tzadi. Velachshev Machashaves Lasseis Bezav Ubakesav Menachoshes. That when you're building the Mishkan. Um, when B'Tzalel was involved with all of the materials, so he thought very deep thoughts that were used when creating the Mishkan out of Zav, Kesef, and Achishis, gold, silver, and copper. So here's a story. It's a very uh, important story in a way. Hichlet al shigar shlichem asher yistayvavu berichvei lita v'kach yistu chaburas machzika yeshiva asher titenes n'vaisa shana b'shana. So, Reb Chaim Velazhener started a yeshiva in uh, in Velazhen, which was his hometown, and it was a very famous yeshiva because it was really the first yeshiva of its kind in the modern world. Um, in the olden days, there wasn't a formal yeshiva. The way it used to work was, let's say, I was a rav, and I, uh, I was a rav in, uh, I don't know, Bialystok, and I had, a, I had a shul there, so I would give a shir in the morning to a couple of kids in the, in the neighborhood, and that would basically be the yeshiva. Reb Chaim Melazhner envisioned that there would be a real formal yeshiva like we're used to seeing today, that you have a rosh yeshiva, you have a mashkiach, you have rabbeim, you have people, Bachram, not just local Bachram, but local, but Bachram that are invited from far and wide and, and you'd put them up in people's houses, you'd provide meals for them. Uh, there would be starim of the yeshiva, morning seder, afternoon seder, night seder. Uh, this was the brainchild of Reb Chaim Melajna, the great Reb Chaim Melajna, Talmud of the, the Talmud Mubak of the Vilna Gain. It was known as the Aim HaYeshivas Velazhin, because it really um, was the uh, prototype of all yeshivas to follow. Uh, if you'd come to my sukkah on sukkahs, you'd see I have a poster hanging in my sukkah of the Vilna Gain on top, and then a picture of the yeshiva Velazhin under. We don't have, unfortunately, a, a, an image of Reb Chaim Velazhin, or a photo, or a, not a photo, but a painting of him. And then from the yeshiva Velazhin, it sort of branches out into like all of the major Lithuanian yeshivas that we're familiar with, like Mir and Panovich and Mir Panovich, um, uh, Brisk, uh, all of the you know hotels, uh, and then and then down to the American yeshivas because through Slabatka you have let's say Chaim Berlin, you have Lakewood, you have there's many many yeshivas that were all uh, that were all born from the great yeshiva of Velazhin. So when it was founded, he sent out messengers um, like Meshulachim to go and throughout all of the territory of Lithuania in order to uh, collect money for the yeshiva. Fundraising is a, a necessary evil. It would be a great world if there was no uh, need for, for fundraising. But the problem is when you open a yeshiva, you also have to very often raise a lot of money to pay salaries, to pay the electric bills, to pay for the food. 
Um, and so that's always the downside. Every time a person dreams of opening a yeshiva, a lot of the times his, uh, his hopes and dreams are dashed when he starts thinking about the daunting uh, challenge, which is fundraising. So Reb Chaim Velazhner sent out Meshulachim throughout Europe, throughout Lithuania, to try to uh, cover the annual budget of the yeshiva. Kama shonim avru, Many years passed, and then finally one of these mishulachim, one of these collectors of tzedakah on behalf of the Velazhner Yeshiva went to Reb Chaim Velazhner and asked the question, Instead of walking by foot everywhere or taking public transportation, going in wagons, he wanted to like upgrade a little bit this mishulach. I wanted to, you know, he wanted to get himself a horse and a wagon, a buggy. He said, listen, it's, it's economics. It, it makes sense. Instead of me having to waste half a day schlepping around and waiting for this uh, wagon driver and then that wagon driver and, you know, hiring this guy and that guy, it's wasting so much time. It would be so much better if I could just have... Uh, my own car, as it were, instead of constantly like taking Ubers and taking taxis and whatever. So let me just get my own car. Or, or then, of course, they didn't have cars. We're talking about the uh, early 1800s. So, you know, let me get my own horse and buggy. And this was the pitch that he made to Reb Chaim Velazhner. Sometimes you have to wait days until he could get a, a wagon going in the direction he wanted to. So it's not economical the way we're doing this. It doesn't make sense. So this is what he asked Reb Chaim Velazhner. And Hagayin, Reb Chaim, He did that. He said, that's a good idea. And he took money from the yeshiva's treasury, from the, the budget, and he gave it to this Meshulach, he also now needed um, a, a wagon driver. So he's really like going in class. Then more time passed, and then the Meshulach came back again to Reb Chaim and asked for one more request. He says, listen, it doesn't look good that I'm walking around in like an old suit with, uh, you know, my sleeves are all like threadbare and, uh, you know, my tie isn't so nice and my shirt is, uh, you know, let me buy like a new wardrobe. And that way, if I look really good and I'm coming out of a brand new spanking horse and buggy and I have a driver, look spitz. It looks like it'll, I'll probably get more money out of it. Erechachuma Gidel. So now he had to give away more money, Reb Chaim. He wanted another change of clothing. Hagrach Nater is very generous, Reb Chaim, and he gave in to that request also. Fine. So Reb Chaim used to look over the books 
of the Meshulachim. We wanted to see what was going. So if he had 10 Meshulachim, he wanted to, at the end of the month, let's say, go over the, the debits, the credits, the, the, um, the, uh, anyone taking accounting here? What do you call it? The assets and the liability? What do you, okay. The assets and the liabilities, it's all coming back to me now, and I'm shaking. Um, the assets and the liabilities, and then, um, Kedei Lirais Mi Higdalas Trumasai, who, like, uh, like, who, like, he wanted to see the return on investment. He looked through the sheets, and he saw in the books, in the ledger of, these, of this particular Mesholoch, the one that now was like very fancy and going, going around Lithuania with like a fancy horse and buggy, a fancy coach and, a, and, a, and beautiful suits and a frock and a, and a nice hat. And there was a certain person that was a villager, but he used to give a steady amount to the lodge. And every month, let's say, he would give uh, you know, a couple of, uh, couple of dollars to the lodge. But this month, he didn't give anything. Since this, this, uh, this mesholach became so fancy, so this certain individual stopped giving money for some reason. Adam Shenoida Bitsikas Pizraina Rachava, a person that would normally give more, this time he didn't give anything. So Lashelas Hagain Sipalam Mesholach. So the Mesholach told him when the when Rukhayim inquired as to why this guy stopped giving, Kigama Pam Kimaitamid Bikar Vibesa Shalakafri. This time also, yes, I did go and visit him. That it wasn't I didn't give him a zero because I forgot to visit him. I actually visited him, but he didn't give anything. He refused me. He didn't want to give whatsoever. Why? Because he made it known that because now you have uh, you became too fancy. I liked it when you used to come and you used to look like a like a mesholoch in my mind should look. I want to see a mesholoch looking very, you know, taking, uh, taking bus number 11, which is your two feet, and walking on your own and not, and not having to have fancy clothing and, you know, looking like as if you're living very low. But now you're living so high on the, you know, so high, you're, you have beautiful clothing on, fancy suits, and I look out, I look behind you and you have a, a, a chauffeur waiting for you in like a limo. I don't want to give to that. So because of that, I'm not giving any more to the yeshiva. Not only that, said the Meshulach, he had charata on all the money that he gave up until this point to Velazhin Yeshiva. He was giving pretty generously all the years, and now he says, I wish I hadn't. Call Shechnaiva Shechnuav so the Meshulach, in spite of all of his outreach and trying to explain and whatever, this guy was done, I'm not giving anymore, that's it, case closed. So when Reb Chaim heard about this refusal of this villager, he got very upset. He 
he wasn't as upset about the fact that he didn't give this time. That's one problem. But he was upset that he regretted, he had remorse over giving all the previous times. That really got him upset. And Amar Agrachel Meshulach Kishatiyah Bepam Habab Bebeisay Shalish Haidiyah Livan Yavayitach. Next time, says Reb Chaim to this Meshulach, next time you go and visit this particular Balabas, I want to come with you. And it came that day, this Meshulach went back to that village where this villager lived. Come and join me. He got very frightened, this particular Balabayas, when he saw the Gadol Adar of Chaim Valajna standing in his doorway. So then, Reb Chaim Velazhner, once things settled down a little bit, he asked the $64,000 question, and that is, why exactly did you stop giving to the yeshiva? HaKafri, Shekinira, Haven, Lamataras, Baya, Mesidas, Chuvasai, Heshelagrach, he understood exactly why Reb Chaim came. He got. He was able to hop already, like, what was going on here. So he already had prepared his answer, and he said, I always was very happy about your beautiful, holy yeshiva. I gave my generous donations very happily and with a lot of ratzen. However, something changed. When the Meshulach uh, became all fat and uh, pampered, all of a sudden he's coming with all this fancy stuff. I thought that I was giving my money, and my money was going straight to the Yeshiva Bachim and Velazhin that were learning, you know, by their Gemaris. I thought that it was going to the right cause. But now, what do I think? Because now I realized that it's not going to the Yeshiva Bachrim. It's not going to make it that far. Whatever I get, it has to go to pay for the upkeep of the horse, the food that you're feeding the horse, and the, and the chauffeur that he hired, and his suits, and his dry cleaning. And it's not going to make it to the Yeshiva. I want it to go to the Yeshiva. I don't want it to go to this guy. Sometimes I think that way, like on Purim. When, you know, these yeshivas come and they pull up in this, uh, they have like these stretch, uh, you ever see this? Like in, in Brooklyn and Queens sometimes, but primarily really in Brooklyn, the five towns, I guess. They hire these stretch, uh, like SUVs, like, uh, like Hummers, like, you know, it probably costs like $500 an hour or something. And like, you know, they're coming, they're dancing, and they want them, like, I'm looking behind them at like this huge Hummer, like, so what, in other words, what I'm, I'm, I'm paying money to, to pay for your shtick, like to pay for your, because you want to drive, in, I also want to go on a Hummer, like why should, why should I have to pay for you to have enough going, throwing up an Hummer? Anyway, but um, that is, but that's, that's what this guy's taina was, it's not a crazy taina. So the grach, Reb Chaim heard this, and he said, did you ever learn Gemara in your life? So, he says, I, I didn't. I never had the 
the pleasure of learning Gemara. I never had the opportunity to learn Gemara. I, was, I grew up in a village on a farm. Maybe you learned Nach. No. So what did you learn? Tell me what you did learn. I know Chumash well. Chumash is one thing that I'm comfortable talking, I'm conversant about in it. We could talk in Chumash. So Reb Chaim asked to please bring a Chumash uh, to him. And when he brought the Chumash, he opened up the page to Parshas Vayakel. And his fingers pointed to the words that we started with tonight. That Pitzalel used, um, he, he had deep thoughts, deep kavanas, to make the Kalim and the Mishkan out of Kesev and Zav and Nechayshes. So, Sha'ar bin Nafshech, Pasal HaGrachas Tavarov, Ki Yashna Gain, Asher Mulvad Yediyasa, Es Kolatar Kuloi, Hare Yeshlai Gam Yad Bamlachas Hatfira. Hayam Nitin Eifel Atar Eisai Amud Hayimini, Patish Achazak Tzadik Yisrael, Mechayet Taiv. Halay Ach Tzchayk Vekelas Yia, Im Nazkir Eisai Kechayet Taiv, Lachash is Karnas Malais Vatar Vyashmaim. Let's say I told you that there was somebody that's a Gain Eilam. I told you, you know, I was just speaking to somebody today about Reb Chaim Kanievsky, who should live and be well. So, you know, He's so brilliant. He has, he knows Kolter Kula, and he knows. Let's say I would tell you that besides for making a siyum on Shas every year, and, and making a siyum on Kolter Kula on Yerushalmin, Sifra, Sifri Zayar, etc., and everything every year, besides for having tremendous kedusha for having rechakaydish, he's also Reb Chaim is really good with sewing. He sews buttons on his on his frock really nicely. Would that be like normal to say? That's ridiculous. Like, who cares? Like, why is that? It's like a, almost like a bizayin to speak like that about Reb Chaim. So he says, after he builds up that question, Reb Chaim looks at the farmer, at this villager, and he says, it doesn't make sense. Let's examine how the Pasuk is praising Bitzalel. wasn't just an architect, and he wasn't just an engineer, he wasn't just a silversmith and a goldsmith and a coppersmith and a, and a, and a, and a, and a, a tailor. Bitzalel, who was only, by the way, according to some Chazal, he was only 13 years old, which is uh, crazy, right, if you think about that. But he, um, he was also the great, one of the greatest Mekubalim of his dar. When he was building the Mishkan, the Mishkan isn't just a structure that you and I could build. When you are putting together all of the materials of the Mishkan and constructing it just so, B'tzalel knew how to be mitzarif the oisyeh shabayim nivrishmaim arts. There was Hakadosh Baruch when he created the, this this universe. He took letters, and again, this is all very high kabbalah that I don't know what I'm talking about. But he was able somehow by combining letters of the aleph bays in a certain way, he was able to create some some super 
chemical reaction and, and the world was created that way. HaKadosh Baruch Hu took the ICS and he created the world and B'Tzalel, this 13-year-old Bar Mitzvah was able to tap into that same power that Hashem had to create the universe. And when he was creating his Kalim of the Mishkan and his Amudim, his Krashim, his Adonim, his, his Uriahs, his uh, Aaron, his, his, all these Kalim that, we, that we've been leaning about the last few weeks, he knew also how to utilize the ICIs, taking the Alephes and putting the Chaf with the Lamed and the Mem with the Samach and somehow creating some nuclear explosions and, and poof, the Mishkan became a Mishkan and, and with the, all of its Kedusha Vitara through all of this knowledge and this, 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 this very deep thinking of B'Tzalel. So after the Pasuk says that Hashem says about B'tzal, I filled him with a, with a Ruach, a spirit of God, I filled him with all these mystical wisdoms and understandings, perceptions, intuition. I gave him all that. And also, the Pasuk continues... And I also, he also knows how to, how to do uh, needlepoint really well. He knows how to take gold and silver, copper, and make it just so filigree. It seems to be like a huge step down. After we've already discussed the greatness of Betzal Kabbalistically, all of a sudden now you're telling me about how he also is pretty good silversmith. It's not a, that's not appropriate to speak about Betzal that way. Tevarim hanechshavim what is, why is that in the same sentence with all the other great lofty knowledge that B'Tzal possessed? Why do we bring this in? Barom says, Reb Chaim, you know what the Pshat is? Kavona Amuka Khan, there is a very deep Kavona over here. Because the Mishkan Shainim, there are many components the Mishkan, and every part of the Mishkan has its own unique set of Kedusha. For example, What's the holiest part of the Mishkan? The Kedush HaKadoshim, that little area in the front of the Mishkan, or the back of the Mishkan, whichever way you're looking at it from. And in it, you have the Aaron with the Kruvim, and you have, the, uh, and, and you have uh, you know, a very, very important... Uh, Area there, that's the most chashava space in the, uh, in the, in the Kedush HaKadoshim. And then there's the outside area that's called the Heichal. Then outside of the Heichal, there's the Chatz of the general courtyard. And you can't compare the Klisharis, which was in the Ayal Mayed, like the Menayr, the Shulchan, the Mizbeach. That wasn't the same as, uh, much higher than the Adne Akrashim, than the silver uh, sockets that were underneath the beams, Shabachatzer, the Chain Hala, Davar Makodesh Mechaver. One is obviously more holy than the other. Kasher Nasni Yisraelis Nedvasim Lemishkan. When Klai Yisrael donated their Nedavas to the Mishkan, you can imagine if you were giving to the Mishkan, let's say you were giving gold, you were donating your gold to the Mishkan, okay? Where would you want it to go if you could have a choice? I want it to go to the holiest part of the Mishkan. I want it to go to the, into the, the Aaron. I want it to go into the Lufnaiv Lufnim. 
That's the spitz part of the mishkan. You don't want it to go, I don't want it to be used in some, you know, fork that was used once in a yavel. I want it to be the major part of the mishkan. That's where I want my money to go to. El beis kachekadashim, baram, davar zayim and anim. Obviously, that's impossible. Shagain hayoid mekemis vekelem, utrumas bnei Yisrael, hayset tzrichalich lizchalik, ben kol chachem mishkan. But every yid is donating to the mishkan, and it's impossible not... All of the donations could go to the Kaidish Akadashim. It had to be spread out uniformly. So maybe if you're lucky, yours would get to go to a more Khashiva place and, and his would get to go to even more Khashiva place. But it's all like it's random, sort of, right? It seems to be random. But one thing is for sure as much as I would want that my particular gift goes to the more Khashiva place, it's not going to happen always. So Kate said, "Efer Trumas Mischal." So how did it happen? So Mishum Kach Nivcher Bitzalal. This is why said Reb Chaim Malajner Bitzalal was the one that was chosen. Ish Asher Yadul Atzarif Eisish Shem Hanivru Shemaymarts. He was the man who knew how to use this these Eisiyos that heaven and earth were created with in order to build the Mishkan. So Bitzalal Hayedes Machshavei Shakal Tarim Etarim. B'tzalel understood if he held up a piece of gold that Pliny gave to the Mishkan, so he's looking at this gold and he understands inherently through his tremendous knowledge, through his Kabbalah, through his Ruach HaKadosh, he was able to look at this gold and understand how much Kavana Lishma the donor had when he gave it. So if it was a real Lishma Dika Kavana, it's purely Kavana Lishma, so then, when he knew that this piece of gold was completely that would go to the Aaron, that would go to the Kaidash uh project. Let's say he held up another piece of silver. And he saw this guy a little shaky. His, his kavan was not purely lishma; it was, it was 70, 30 lishma, but not fully lishma. So then he would put it in a different project. He would put it in a, in a more distant project. Nasan shumas v'eichel. That would go not to the Kaddish HaKadoshim, but to the Eichel. V'yim nasan adam es shumas ha'achrak l'shem k'vayt v'yakar. And if he just 100% was for my own personal aggrandizement, I just wanted to get a great name as being a generous guy. I had zero kavan lishma. So Nasan Bitsal's Shumasli Bichatzer Mishkan, that would go all the way to the Chatzer. So Zehu Gam Kavanas Hapsukim and his karm, that's the way Reb Chaim explains these Psukim. The Pasuk first starts out saying how great Bitsal was. Vayimalaya Isai Ruachalikim, Bichachma, Ubisun of Adas, Vachamalacha. Speaking about the greatness of his mystical powers. And furthermore, the Pasuk says, to think the thoughts. What does that mean? Through the Kabbalah that he possessed, he knew the Machshavis. Lachshav Machshav is not going on him, it's going on the donor. He understood the Machshavish or Kol Echavechmanatarmim. He knew each donor and how much Kavana Lishma that donor had. And all this would help him figure out exactly what to do with the gold. 
and with a silver and with a copper, Shagil Yadov, Sheyuchal Adas, Be'ezem Makem Lasez Kol Truma, Asher and now, this is the end of the story. Rav Chaim is learning together with this Balabas, this Pasuk and Chumash. And after he explains it so beautifully, this parsha B'Tzalel, Now you understand the Avaidah of the Meshulach. He needs a chariot. He needs the nice clothing. He needs the chauffeur. Shekain, Kach, Yisrabu, and Adas Yiglu. This way we'll be able in the yeshiva to make a lot more money. Beram, im kavanas chabemus l'shem shamayim. If your kavanah is l'shem shamayim, don't be afraid, don't be nervous, don't be worried. Shekain, maisecha, vade yagil achugim, v'tayres Hashem kalayim. Your money, if it's given l'shma, will definitely be earmarked because HaKadosh Baruch will arrange that your particular money will go specifically towards what? Will go specifically towards the Bacharim learning the Teres Hashem. Umisha'ein kavanas l'shem shamayim. Somebody that does not have a pure kavanah l'shem shamayim. Yagiyam ha'isav sus His money will go to the sus. Now the sus and the begadim were important also. But obviously, it's not where I'd want my money to go. Like, going back to our perm example, I don't want it to go to the stretch limo. If I give my money with kavanah l'shma, it's not going to go to the stretch limo. It'll go to the place that I want it to go to because the tire the will be supported by the money that's the purest money. But if I'm so nervous the whole time about it going to the stretch limo, then that shows that my kavanah is not going to It probably will go to the stretch limo. The horse will eat your money. But you'll still get a mitzvah even for supporting the horse. And also the oiling of the wheels of the chariot. Everything is going for Tyra, but it's just a matter your kavana will influence. Um, where exactly it goes in life, in, to, in, in, the, in terms of the yeshiva's budget. And I think this is, a, this is an important yisai. First of all, it's, a very, it's an important story because it's, uh, you know, it, it's a bit of history. It's a beautiful story to, I think, tell over if you ever uh, you know, have the opportunity to share with Dara and Parshas Vayakel. I think it's, a, it's an amazing story because it speaks a lot to the Kayach of uh, B'Tzalel and the Kayach of having certain Kavanas and how your Kavanas really are Mashbia on everything. The Kavana that you have in life is very much Mashbia. But it's very important also for our day-to-day lives because part of Emunah and part of Bitachen is realizing that whatever we do Whatever we give, whatever we're doing, L'shem Shemayim, is going to have a very important purpose. A lot of times uh, we do things and we don't really feel that it's accomplishing much. We feel like, you know, maybe my money was wasted, maybe I gave to that person and he didn't really deserve the money, maybe I gave to that yeshiva, maybe it wasn't the right yeshiva, or maybe I, I did a chesed and it wasn't. The answer is that emunam bitachin means that HaKadosh Baruch Hu sees everything we do, and whatever it is that if our kavanah is l'shem shamayim in life, 
then it's going to have the desired result. It will have the desired result. HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't look at what, our, what the results are in this world. HaKadosh Baruch Hu looks at what our kavana was. If we meant to do something well in life, sometimes we don't even, it doesn't even work out for us. Sometimes we really try hard and we, uh, and we fail. Sometimes we feel really bad. But everything in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's world is really totally in the machshava. It's how much kavana did we have L'Shem Shemayim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu sees that we meant what we were doing L'Shem Shemayim. It's considered in Shemayim as if you did it. It was accomplished. And if we have less kavana, then it counts less. But emunon bitachan really uh, means that I believe that everything that I'm doing has a purpose, and that if I have the right kavanas, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives me tremendous schar for that. And it doesn't, it's not a result-oriented thing always. It, it, it just, it's a matter of how much kavana that we have. Sometimes we're sitting and we're first seder, we're learning, we're trying to understand the Gemara, trying to understand some of the Marmachimists, and we're working. We really are working. And sometimes it doesn't go in. And we, we learn the Taisus, you know, three times, four times. So I, I just don't get Taisus. I don't understand what he's asking. I don't understand what he's answering. And we think at the end of the day, boy, that was such a wasted first seder. I didn't get anything out of it. That's only because we look at it like that villager, that we want to we wanna make sure that everything that we're doing has a result that we can control. But life isn't like that. Life is, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one that really ultimately sees the results that we put in, and we'll get, we get tremendous reward for that. Regardless of what we are, what we're accomplishing, even if we feel, we, first of all, we are accomplishing. The working itself is an accomplishment. But even if we don't immediately see the results of our efforts, but there's tremendous schar, and that's what we believe. Our belief is that it's all in what we're trying to do. If we're trying our best, HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves that more than anything. Sometimes there are two people in the base matters, and one of them has natural skills, and he just like, he can like wing it, he's like, you know, he's schmoozing most of Seder, and he's just able to immediately chop taisis, and it takes him no effort, and you're schwitzing the whole time in the same taisis, and you're really working hard, and you think, boy, this isn't fair. This guy gets it so easily, and it takes me so much work. In Shamayim, it's, it's, it's completely the opposite. The person that was schwitzing the whole Seder, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, like, puts him on a pedestal and says, Chazu Banai, like, look at how precious this, this child of mine is. He's trying, he's schwitzing, he's really putting his all into it. And the other guy, even though he chops it, so he got the result, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't care so much about the result as much as what your kavanis were and what the effort was that you invested into it. And that's all part of Emunah and Bitochen in life is that we believe that Hakadosh is not a result-oriented uh, being. Hakadosh cares about our efforts. Hakadosh cares about what we put in, and the more we put in, if we invest, if we have the right kavanis, then it goes to the Kaddish Hakadoshim. It goes to the Aron. It goes to the most Chashavah area because we invested ourselves. We put ourselves into it with all of our kavanis. And if we put less in it, also it's chashav, but it's not as chashav as a person that really put all of his kavanas into this holy endeavor. And this is something that I think we all have to know, uh, that 
it's about how much schwitz we put into it. It's how much effort. And it's not about how smart you are. It's not how, how brilliant you are. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave that as a gift to somebody. It doesn't mean that, you know, he didn't do anything to deserve it. But if we, who are less brilliant, if we put ourselves into it, and we, or even if you are brilliant, but you could still plug away and get more deep into the sugya and more, and more time and more effort, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is machshav that HaKadosh Baruch Hu puts that into his Kaidesh HaKadoshim.